Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Cleveland Cavaliers coach J.B. Bickerstaff and Charlotte Hornets coach James Borrego. Stay with us. Welcome into Cleveland Cavaliers coach J.B. Bickerstaff and Charlotte Hornets coach James Borrego, who in reality is also J.B. Anybody who has the initials J.B. is called J.B. by maybe not in the public, but by the people they know. But for the purposes of the podcast, J.B. Bickerstaff and James Borrego. Guys, how are you today? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks. J.B., I want to start with you. You you made me jealous yesterday. We were talking about when we were going to – or Friday, when we would tape this this weekend. You had a baseball game on Saturday morning in your neighborhood in Cleveland. Uh, tell me about for, – for your six-year-old, tell me how – like I, I was jealous of the whole concept. Tell us how that came together. It, it was awesome, to be honest with you. Um, you know, through the city, they've canceled the, the leagues out here, the Little League um, summer session. So a group of dads just got together and reached out to their kids, friends, parents via email. Uh, and they just put together, uh, you know, there's about 20 kids that are there. Um, they split them up, you know, let them go out and play their different positions or whatever. But to be able to actually sit outside, um, you know, it's nice out in Cleveland, <laughs> finally. So to be able to enjoy that and watch the kids, you know, have some sense of normalcy was great. You know, there's baseball is good because you can maintain the social distancing that you need to maintain. You know, you keep your own helmet, you got your own glove uh, and those types of things, your own bat, excuse me, also. So uh, you still can maintain those things, but still give the kids an opportunity uh, to do things that remind them that they're kids again. Uh, it's, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And the idea of youth sports with just a T-shirt. Yeah. And you said you, it was basically just a mom keeping the book over in the corner, right? Yeah, it was. It was they, they ordered the kids T-shirts. You know, you got to bring your own baseball pants and cleats, your own hats. They don't have matching hats or anything like that, but they do have t-shirts. And then, you know, one of the kids' moms uh, is sitting behind the dugout with a book and a pencil, filling in the scores, the runs, you know, the at-bats and all that stuff. Um, so it's pretty awesome. It's coach pitch. So, uh, you know, the kids get a chance to get on base, but it, it, it was a ton of fun. And just, like I said, a, re- a reminder of what things used to be like. How's your cooking game, though? That's really what I want to know, your, your cooking game. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Right. I'm going right. to tell you something. Yeah. Your I, cooking we, game got to be pretty strong right now. I know yeah. mine is. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big breakfast dude. I'm, <laughs> I can give you, you know, some sausage, bacon, eggs, grits, whatever you want there. But then we got the, uh, what is it called? It's the, like the incredible green egg grill or whatever that thing is. If you don't have one, okay. you need to get one. It's awesome. Okay. Well, well, I just bought a waffle maker. So okay. I'm on to waffles now. So I'll let you know how that goes today. I'm on to waffles. I did the smoothie thing for a while. I, the smoothie bar is always open in the Borrego house. So if you want a smoothie, it's, it's always open, but I'm wearing down on this cooking stuff. It's, it's been too long. So hopefully we get back out. Got to get to a restaurant at some point. So yeah, just, just don't burn the waffles, man. Your kids will rid of well, I can't guarantee <laughs> that. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> uh, I can't guarantee that. Uh, hey, guys, there's a lot I want to get to, a lot of what's happening uh, in the world right now. But I want to start in your basketball worlds. And, you know, we reported a story on, I guess, Friday night about the eight teams left out of the Orlando restart 
think those organizations talking with the league office about ways for your teams to be able in this very long off season to, to be able to get some, whether it's kind of like a mini summer league, uh, OTAs kind of comparable to football, maybe even a mandatory training camp. What, what's the urgency that you two feel with your teams, both of you with, with young cores you're trying to develop to be able to get back with your players and get them in an organized setting when you last played March 11th, you may not play again until a game until December and you've only had, you know, the voluntary social distancing one-on-o stuff that's pretty limiting uh, in the walk-up over the last month? Well, we've lost so much time with our guys. Obviously, uh, we've been tremendously disrupted. Our development, our momentum, I mean, to lose 17 games, and I think JB would agree, that's 20% of our, our games this season. And to lose that is tremendous for a young group. Um, so, yeah, you know, could we have, could we have found that momentum, that rhythm again in Orlando? Yes. But now we got to figure out a way to move the group forward. And there's nothing we can do about that. We are disappointed. We would have liked to have been in, in Orlando. Um, but now it's about moving the group forward. So yeah, we need to see our guys in the gym. We need to find connection with them. Um, we need to work with them, get our hands on them and really start to build our group back. Uh, Woj, when you think back to, you know, where we were, uh, we were probably playing our best basketball this season. You know, we, I think Cleveland was next. JB and I were probably going to, you know, get together that next day or two. And, uh, we were probably playing our best stretch there. A young group, uh, playing the second most young guys in the league, you know, the first and second year players. And, uh, we're just coming off a win, um, in Miami. We'd be Toronto, Houston that week. That's, that's, we can't replicate that and we can't get that back. Well, like that, that's, that's time you can't get back. And for a developing team, you need momentum. You need to fail, but you also need success. And when we were having that success and to have it, you know, stop immediately was devastating for us. So now we got to pick up the pieces and move the group forward. Orlando would have allowed us to do that a little bit. We don't know what it would have looked like, but that would have allowed it. Obviously, we don't have that. So, yeah, I think our group, our, our GMs, our coaches now are looking for ways to get creative in this. And we need competition. We need to play. We can't just have one-on-one workouts um, for nine months, five months. This is a defining five months for our organization, uh, as it is for uh, Cleveland and JB's group. Yeah, and, you know, off of that, if you think about we can't allow this to impact next season. And that's our biggest goal. And the most important thing for young developing players is to play games. Uh, if they don't get to play and experience against other NBA players, um, you know, it is a disadvantage. Uh, building chemistry, building rhythm, you know, guys starting to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, that's a huge thing for all of our groups. And, you know, we can't afford to go into 2021 you know, a step slow and a step behind because, you know, some of these teams will be, you know, less than, you know, a couple months removed from playing competitive playoff level basketball. So uh, the league, um, our front offices, our coaches, you know, we've all been in communication 
and we have to figure something out because it's it's too important. And you know, to James's point, like with young guys in particular, the structure that they need um, to help them uh, is missing. And obviously, the pandemic is one thing, and we you know we can't fight that. But you know, now that we have the opportunity to be in smaller groups or you know groups as a whole, like we've got to figure out a way to get guys together. Uh, to help bring that structure back in their lives because they're still learning how to be pros. You know, we've got three or four key guys that are under 21 years old, um, and those guys need our help in developing. JB, when I think of the challenges for your team for a young Cavaliers roster, the one player that I've thought some about, and I know you've thought a lot about, Kevin Porter Jr., a rookie from USC. And when the Cavaliers drafted him, Kobe Altman and his staff, I think there was a lot of thought that environment was going to be very important for his development on the court, off the court, that there was a lot of growth that you could help him with. And that absolutely occurred during the season. I, I know off the floor, on the floor, and then to see a young man like this just be separated for months on end. I, you know, I think that's the kind of player who you, know, you just worry about how the impact of everything now will impact his development. And I know he's not the only player on your roster or on James's roster in Charlotte that, that you worry about that with. Yeah. I think this is extremely difficult. The circumstances that we're going through, um, you know, take basketball out of it and, you know, being isolated for a group of people who are so used to being pack animals is hard. And if you don't have family and if you don't, you're just, you know, you are on your own, you know, it makes it that much more difficult, but, you know, we're in the business of helping these guys develop, you know, not just as basketball players, but as human beings, too, which is first and foremost. And, you know, we need to be around each other. You know what I mean? Like we can make as many phone calls as we want to make. You know, we can Zoom, we can text, we can FaceTime. But like the interactions that we have on a day to day basis are so important uh, to their development. I mean, I, you know, we try to put a very human piece on the players that we have. So, you know, I think about parenting as the same as our coaching. Like imagine parenting your kids in a place where you couldn't touch them or you couldn't have, you know, physical contact with them or you couldn't put your arm around them when they needed you and, and how their development would be impacted. Like right now we're going through a similar situation uh, with the development of our young guys. James, how do you feel from March 11th on, the pandemic, this very long hiatus, what has gone on since, well, certainly primarily since the George Floyd murder, the ways in which you have been tested as a leader and the ways maybe you've, you've had to be stretched as a leader to find different ways or new ways to connect with your players, to lead your group what what have you found about that process um, as an NBA head coach? Yeah, ma- major challenge for us, Woj. I mean, major challenge. Um, how to connect with our guys on a daily basis, weekly basis. But I think in the end, it's 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 put us in a position to be creative, Woj. So in the end, you know, in the end, maybe this will stretch us as leaders uh, of our programs. Maybe this will make us tighter as a unit. Um, the challenge is, though, how do we move this group forward? How do we connect with our guys? And to JB's point, we're around these guys more than our families. 
you know, we're around these young men. They're looking for direction. Um, they need structure around them. But it has really pushed me as a leader, uh, myself, Mitch, the group, to really connect with our group. And, you know, we've done that through uh, Zoom calls, texting. We've had to get creative uh, to make sure our guys feel that we value them. Uh, we're moving forward with them. We're there for them. And that's a challenge for everybody, not just players, but I think we've all been disconnected from society, from friends. Um, but it's really stretched me as a leader on how to uh, respond to our players, how to connect with them. And hopefully in the end, I'll be better for it as a leader, you know, and I think it has brought depth to our relationships, Woj. I think it's really brought depth to, um, who these young men are, what they need and what they need moving forward. So, um, you know, and then I think of my own family, what it's done there, you know, this is, this is time that I'll never get back with my family. And so it's brought us closer together and that time is valuable. So I've tried to take advantage of that, you know, with our group, with our young guys, I've tried to give them projects along the way. I think as coaches, you know, JB and R are, you know, pulling our hair out, trying to find ways to continue the development for our guys, stimulate their thoughts, their thinking. And there's not a ton we can do physically with them right now, but how do we move them forward? And that's the major challenge. We've done that through video. Uh, we've done that through watching some playoff games, getting on Zoom chats. There's nothing like being face to face and, and walking down this path that is an NBA season. Hey, James, just I, I've officially pulled out all my hair. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, America's ready to get back to work. But to win in the new economy, you need every advantage to succeed. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you have visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need and all in one place. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. You'll have the ability to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, and run your whole company right from your phone. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash woj. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash woj, W-O-J, netsuite.com slash woj. Hey guys, Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action has acquired the secret to building a thicker, greener lawn. In return, they have taken all the hard work out of the picture to give you more time to do nothing extra. People don't realize that it's easy to get the lawn of their dreams by simply feeding their lawn a few times throughout the year. Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action kills weeds, prevents crabgrass, and feeds to build thick green lawns. With Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action, you can finally get the lawn you've always dreamt of. Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help your weak, thinner lawn recover. When you feed with Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action multiple times throughout the year, your grass will be greener, stronger, and more resilient. Pick up a bag today. This is a Scott's Yard. Also, 
Scott's no quibble money back guarantee states, if you're not satisfied, you get your money back. This is a Scott's yard. JB, you had, I think, for a stretch of time trying to find stories, articles with some historical context to share and maybe discuss with your group. What what did where did you guys dig into in that area? Uh, it was just, you know, a different way of trying to communicate and engage people. Um, you know, like I said, I reached out to you to find a couple of articles uh, to get your suggestions and, and other people that I knew, um, you know, in the media. And it was just, you know, we spend so much time talking about basketball. Uh, the conversation, you know, was, again, we were building momentum. And to me, the biggest step we took was how we related to one another and how we treated one another. And, you know, that has to do with, again, the human piece of what we're trying to get done and those relationships outside of basketball. You know, if you care about a guy, you're more willing to make the extra pass, right? If you have some sort of common ground with a guy, you're more willing to go set a charge for him or talk to him on defense. So we're trying to spark those kind of debates and just conversations and, you know, get people to to agree and get people to disagree and then see how we can, you know, handle you know, you believe one thing, I believe this, you know, the same thing happens on the court. You know, you may want to guard the pick and roll this way. I guard the pick and roll that way. Uh, but, you know, how can we find some sort of, uh, you know, how can we agree to disagree, but still respect each other's positions enough? So, you know, and, and I don't think you can do those types of things if there's not a trust there and a respect for each other's, uh, you know, positions and opinions. You know, I think we lost some of that there with our guys. You know, it's, you're moving along, you're playing well, you're having success, and that buy-in is there. And I think that's that's critical for a young team. you got to have buy-in. To have development in this league, there's got to be true trust and development between the coaching staff, the players, the organization. And to me, that's probably one of the most frustrating pieces of this is that that came to a sudden halt. Our players were frustrated. They wanted to continue. I think that's the frustration with not continuing in Orlando they were already frustrated and now they can't continue that even in Orlando. Um, and that's, that's important for our group. You know, our young guys are trying to, to play together. They're trying to play the right way. We have a good group of guys. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, uh, we can find that again, that we'll find, we'll, we'll get there again. The challenge is what do we do for the next five months to get there? There's nothing that we can do to replicate those game reps. Um, but this is a young core. I believe in this young core. Um, you know, a number of these guys are second round picks. You look at Devontae's year this year, you know, he's up for most improved. Uh, Terry's had an incredible run. Uh, you look at Miles and PJ. They've really bought into our development program, which is the lifeblood of our organization. That has been disrupted. Now, how do we move the group forward? And really try to get over the frustration. I think that's that's what's in our mind, in our players' heads right now. They are extremely frustrated for a number of reasons. You know, it's not just basketball. I think they see what's going on in the world, um, not having the ability to see each other face to face. They had their season pulled from them, you know, by nobody's fault, but their, their season was pulled from them. So how do we get their minds back? To me, that's the greatest challenge now as a leader, as the leader of this team, moving the group forward. Do people feel, whether it's your players, your staff, those in your organizations, maybe even your fans, if you get a sense of that, do they feel left behind by the NBA that 
that there's a there's a National Basketball Association. It is all gathering in Orlando, and that you've been left behind. Yeah, I, I, to me, Woj, it's we understand the reasons why, right? And we want to be a great partner to the NBA because our league is phenomenal in all the things that it does. But our guys are pissed off, and so are we. And for us and the conversation that we had with our guys is no longer do we not want to be invited to the party. And whether the party is 22 people or 22 teams or 16 teams, you know, we're going to do everything in our power that if the NBA throws a party, we're going to be on the invite list. And, you know, we, we get it. We understand the safety. We understand the health issues. But, you know, it is internal motivation for us. And our guys, you know, now everybody needs to do their job better. We need to work harder. We need to get better. You know, we need to compete harder. You know, all those things that we can do to be a better basketball team. You know, now this has given us motivation uh, to go out and do it. In order to do that, though, we've got to get together at some point. You know what I mean? Like we have to be able to spend quality time together um, in the next, you know, month, month and a half. And then, you know, again in September, October, like we – we can't afford to be separated from one another uh, until, you know, training camp for 2021. Uh, we've got to be able to get together and be able to have, you know, work and competitive games and competition versus, you know, ourselves and, you know, possibly the other teams. Yeah, we need it. I think, you know, there is extreme disappointment from our fan base. Um, this is a fan base that, you know, was hurt by losing Kemba Walker. They were hopeful about what they saw in this group. And I think they wanted to see this group continue. There's momentum going. Um, there was excitement going. And there is a little bit of left out. There is frustration uh, from our fan base, from our organization. But what's done is done. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, now we move forward. And I agree. Our, our challenge now as head coaches is to make sure that our group gets better from this and we're not going to throw a pity party. You know, it's, it's about getting to work, but you know, to JB's point, we got to have the ability to do that. And I, and I believe that the league will do the right thing. I think we're going to have opportunities to do that. So we got to be creative um, and come back better, but this is a major challenge. I mean, no competition for nine months. It's tough enough in the off season Woj, to get our guys to play competitive basketball. You know, we've lost so much of that in the NBA just playing. And I've talked to, to my staff about that a tremendous amount over these last few months. How do we get better? And a lot of it's built around we want to play more. Be, you know, we want our guys so much of the league now is about one on one workouts, uh, being with your player development guy. I get that. There's 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 a real piece of that that is productive. But you got to play this game. you got to connect with your teammates um, and have real game time reps, not just about skill development. And I think that's what Orlando would have provided us. We don't have that. And now we got to find ways to, to do that because there's nothing like game time rep. Um, so I do believe that the league will, will help us in that regard. I think our guys will buy into that and, and move the group forward this, uh, this summer. Hey guys, take me inside 30 NBA head coaches. And I think a couple of others who have been head coaches in the league, Stan Van Gundy, uh, David Fisdale, uh, um, among the group on a Zoom call last Saturday in the aftermath of the George Floyd killing. And as a group, the NBA coaches 
talking about what it is that we can do and what our responsibility is and how we're going to move forward together. What was that call like uh, among uh, all your peers? Uh, I mean, it, it was extremely powerful, to be honest with you. Um, it was raw. It was emotional. It was educational. Um, it was uplifting, to be honest with you. There were a lot of voices on that phone call that are willing to step outside themselves and do the right thing. And there's a group of people on that phone call who already are doing those things. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned Stan Van Gundy, you know, Steve Kerr, Pop. I mean, you go down the list of guys who, you know, before this happened, uh, have done a ton in the black community to try to help, uh, you know, racial equality uh, and reform. So I was, you know, and I'll, I'll let James talk a little bit more about that conversation, too. But, you know, the following day, we had the conversation with our subcommittee. Uh, that we formed in that initial meeting. And, you know, I, I left that meeting with our subcommittee. It was about two and a half hours of watching some very intelligent people want to hammer out a solution to the problem. And that's the thing I think it's, it's, it's great be, uh, by our group and our coach association is because to be a great head coach in this league, you have to come up with solutions. You know, you can't just sit there and say, oh, well, he can't go left. He can't do this. We can't play the pick and roll. Like you have to come up with solutions. So to sit in there on that phone call and listen to all these brilliant people come up with solutions, I was so encouraged uh, when I got off the phone. And it made me even think, you know, if, you know, there's just 30 of us. Now, imagine if other people and other businesses you know, they're putting their minds together and they're trying to come up with ideas. Like imagine all the things that we could come up with. So, uh, you know, in a very emotional and, you know, jacked up time, there was motivation and encouragement that I found leaving those meetings that had like, you know, pushed me even to just go want to do more and figure out ways to help even more. So, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about what that group is doing and all the coaches that are involved have been amazing. Yeah, it was it was powerful. Um, I left there motivated. Um, I left I left there proud, Woj, uh, proud of being a part of an organization, a league, an ownership group um, that's really fighting for change and wants change. And I'm not sure there's a better organization, uh, association equipped to handle something like this and really see change through. And, and I felt that on that call with the head coaches. And I'm fortunate that I've, I've been around a program in San Antonio that Pop was on this for a number of years. This is this is not new to Pop, and, and his leadership will be tremendous throughout this, and he's going to be a part of this. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been inspired, you know, a number of times under his leadership. And really, my, my eyes opened when I got to San Antonio. I was a young guy when I got there. And I didn't understand the depth of this racial inequality, um, the way he spoke about it. We go, you know, we watch the 13th documentary at Netflix as a group together. We watched Chirac, uh, Spike Lee's movie together. We went to the Holocaust Museum together. Our players' eyes were opened. Voting mattered there. And he impacted many, many lives. And what can we do if we stretch that across our league? And across our country, 
these voices want to stand up and be heard. And I think there's tremendous leadership here. There's a great opportunity from our league. You know, we're going to be uh, front stage, you know, in these playoffs, having a voice. And, you know, this this has been very inspirational, uh, getting out for the first time to a protest for me. You know, listening to my guys, listening to the pain, the frustration, and now trying to become more educated, as JB said, you know, I want to become more educated. I want to provide a platform for our guys. I want to be involved in the community. I don't feel this is just a bunch of words we're speaking right now. I believe there's action now that will take place from our league. And we're equipped for that. We have a leader in Adam Silver um, that promotes diversity, inclusion. We're built for this moment. And so I'm excited. You know, there's a lot of work to do. But what I what I heard on that call, what I see the momentum, um, not only from our league, but what I see in the young people as I walked, you know, through that protest, there's a young generation that wants to see change here. And our social platform, social media, uh, the diversity of, of our country was was laid out there. So I'm hopeful, but I understand there's work. But I, I believe we all want, you know, we all want to see change. Yeah. And this time, Woj, to be honest, and I don't know if it's the circumstances that we're in right now because of the pandemic, but this time it doesn't feel like it's going away. Um, so many times in the past, these incidents have happened and there's been another distraction that's kind of taken us away from the message. And this just feels different. This feels like, you know, there is more people who have the drive to consistently and sustain uh, the effort that it's going to take to change it. And it feels like there's more people who are there and witnessing and see it, too. Um, you know, disadvantaged communities have been fighting fights for a long time. But, you know, the sheer numbers of those communities won't allow for the type of impact if all the people who believe that this is wrong come together and stand and fight as one. Like the numbers are astronomical. You know, there are great people in our country uh, of all different races and, and creeds. And, and like, that's what we need. And you see that more now. You see those groups coming together. I think that's right, JB. And I think the reason this has staying power, it isn't because only the black community is showing commitment to this or the Hispanic community is, you know, James is the first full-time Hispanic head coach in the NBA. And, you know, JB, your father, Bernie Bickerstaff was a trailblazer in the NBA among black coaches and executives. Uh, and those who, who had both were in both positions, but we're seeing is I think coalition, which is what it was always going to take. And one other thing had, Lloyd Pierce and Quinn Snyder on the podcast last week. And boy, something Lloyd said to me really stayed with me all week. And, and I think you could certainly speak to this, JB, of how much, of how often he always made a point to wear his Atlanta Hawks gear, his Atlanta Hawks shirt around the city of Atlanta. Because the idea that when he stepped off the court and he stepped out of the practice facility, he was another black man in Atlanta or in the United States. And that by identifying himself with the team and with a Hawks jersey may have been another, essentially another line of deterrent for someone to, to engage him in, in a way that, that, that black men get engaged in this country 
every day. And man, that that stayed with me all week. It's very sad to say at this point that one of the common issues that we have as black men who, you know, successful black men is still the same fear that we have um, of our interactions with the police. And when I think about this, you know, I had this conversation my parents were born into segregation. So if you think of the lessons that they had to learn, you know, very difficultly uh, as they were growing up from their parents uh, and the way that they had to interact with police when they did have police interactions, uh, you know, that's cross generations because they definitely uh, have had those conversations with us because they have those fears. And I mean, again, you see it played out. Now it's just being played out on camera. Um, I've tried to, and I've caught myself on this recently because I felt myself projecting things onto my kids and then having to have conversations with them on how to clean it up. Um, But these moments have given us moments to have these conversations. And, you know, again, I hope this moment is an opportunity for change. Um, But, you know, the fact that there's conversations that have to be had, you know, with your kids, you know, our parents to us, um, you know, when you've done absolutely nothing wrong except for be black in America, uh, that now all of a sudden, because you are, you're just a threat. And, you know, I, I think it takes a lot of education and it's going to take a lot of open minded people to solve the problem, because I don't think, you know, I think the case of George Floyd is different. Like I think that guy, the police officer was a bad human being. I do think there are instances that happen where people because they don't have relationships with black people and they, you know, they have these innate fears and bias, like they're scared and intimidated when they put themselves in these situations and their defense mechanism is I've got a gun it's bigger than yours, you know, I'm going to take it out and use it to protect myself out of fear. So I think there's, you know, the bad people, you know, we need to find a way to get them out of position of power. People who are fearful, they need to be educated. Uh, they need to have conversations and understand, you know, black communities and cultures and the history, uh, you know, that, that we've been through. And I think about this and sorry, I'm kind of going on about this, but, you know, when you look it up, 12 to 14 percent of our country is made up of African-Americans. That includes, you know, those who are of mixed race and the majority are in small pockets of each of our cities. So there's a lot of people who never have to interact with black people. They go through their day, you know, they go to their grocery store, they go to their malls, they go to all and they never, ever, ever have to interact with black people. So they don't really understand. You know, they see black people in movies where normally they're the criminal. You know, they see black people in rap videos or on a basketball court, but they never really have an understanding of, you know, the day to day feel of what a black person is like. So they don't have that comfort level when they see them. You know, there is a fear. There is an intimidation. uh, And I think that's where we kind of have to fix it is just community involvement and cross those barriers as much as we possibly can. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm a minority, um, but I'm not black. And, you know, I, I grew up in New Mexico and, you know, where the, the population is predominantly Hispanic. And, 
now, you know, my perspective has changed being in this league. Um, and I do think it's built around listening and conversation. That, that is to me where the education is. And to JB's point, we've got to be open to listening, to hearing what uh, these men and women are saying and being open to change. But I think we've got to keep the conversation going. And I know I'm going to do my part with my family, my kids. Uh, I'm a minority, but I can walk my neighborhood and not feel threatened or feel uncomfortable. I can walk into a grocery store, a department store, and not feel uncomfortable. I'm okay if I got stopped and not having that fear that many of our players have shared with me in the last two weeks. Um, and that's real, but it comes through education. You know, the one thing I think that is coming through loud and clear from our coaches association is getting involved in the grassroots, like getting down to the depth of, of our young people and, and really having change at that level, educating our kids uh, from the grassroots up. And I think we'll see change coming from our league that we're going to push in those areas. And that's where we can have immediate impact. I think from, from a league perspective, from an NBA standpoint, from our players, let's get involved at the grassroots level. And that's one thing we're trying to do now is find those organizations that are having impact and really get involved as leaders of this community. JB, one thing you said there, I wondered if you could expand on feeling like you had projected some things onto your kids that you maybe had to, you said clean up. Give me an example of what that would have been. Uh, I mean, just the level of fear uh, and, you know, when you see how black people have been treated by just some police, you know, you tend to tell and, you know, have the conversations where, you know, all of one group is something. And that's the way my kids were taking it is they were taking it as, you know, all police were bad and we're having these conversations and I had to go back and clean up with them that they're not, you know, 90% of the police officers that are out there took the oath to serve and protect. And that's what they want to do. Um, you know, now that my kids, and this is what's crazy to me. It's like, you know, my kids are on TikTok, these, you know, those social media apps, like, you know, they're scrolling through that they're used to being dances or, you know, whatever. But now there's people who are at the protests. You know, there's people who are taking pictures, rioting. There's people who are, you know, showing interactions with police officers. And my kids have a bunch of questions. And, you know, they've heard me and my wife have conversations about these bad cops that have done, you know, terrible things. Uh, so now, you know, having to go back and talk to my kids about, you know, we don't say one group of everything, no matter what it is, is all bad. You know, there are bad people in all groups. We need to be accepting of all people uh, and then, you know, discover the, the bad people and then we can get rid of the bad people from our lives. But uh, that was something that they were, you know, I could see. And again, my kids are six, eight and nine now, you know, so their questions are, you know, honest. You know, the things they say is how they feel. It's a lot of emotion because they don't know logically how to explain all this stuff. Um, but, you know, it was important to me because, you know, again, you know, there were the conversations that all police were bad. And, you know, we had to have that conversation with our kids that, no, that's not the case. The bad cops get more attention because that's nature of our society right now. You know, the, the negative stuff does get more attention. But, you know, there are more good police out there than there are bad police 
for sure. J.D. Bickerstaff, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, James Borrego, coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Guys, thank you for doing this with me today. This was uh, uh, illuminating. I'm really glad uh, we got a chance to talk. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Woj. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Cleveland Cavaliers coach J.B. Bickerstaff and Charlotte Hornets coach James Borrego. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, the SVP Pod with Scott Van Pelt. We'll catch you next time.